Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. listening to the Deb Parenkel podcast, a podcast designed to open up the conversation surrounding grief and to ensure young grievers feel less alone. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with young adults from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. The good, the bad and the banter. Hi everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to share some of these amazing episodes that I recorded before July and share these brave and wonderful people's stories with all of you. Um, a lot has happened over the past month in my personal life and I'm hoping to share all of this with you and how being a young adult and grieving my mum, like way too young, has impacted all of these huge life events that I've recently kind of gone through. I'm um, hoping to do an Instagram live later this week discussing of buying my first ever home and how not having my mum around me impacted all of my emotions and behaviours. So keep an eye on all my social platforms to find out when that is and if you have any questions about how that experience was that you'd like me to answer then please let me know. So my first episode back is with an absolutely amazing, just resilient woman, um, Amy Stewart Mills. In this episode Amy tells her account of losing her mum from suicide and just the huge impact that it's had on her life, from her relationships with her friends and family, to becoming an incredible advocate for the charity Pandas Foundation UK. And um, we also discuss the difficulties that we both face with accepting that our parent is no longer alive. And I know this is something that a lot of you guys struggle with as well. So thank you so much, Amy, for taking the time to come onto the podcast and talking to me about your experience. It's like never ever easy. Um, but hopefully together we can help at least one other person through their grief journey and then you know we've done something that's amazing so please don't hesitate to share the podcast with somebody you think it might help thank you everybody and i will see all of you next week first of all amy thank you so much for coming on to the dead parent club podcast i am very happy to have you here on this lovely Saturday morning. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Lovely. Um, it's a gorgeous day, so hopefully this will probably set us up quite nicely. Not that you can go and kind of go on any adventures or anything, but hopefully <laughs> it'll set you up quite nicely for a day outside. Um, first of all, could you please introduce yourself to 
the listeners so that they know kind of who you are and where you're from, what you do, just so that they can get to know you a little bit. Um, I'm Amy. I'm 29. I'm really upset about almost being 30. Um, oh. I live in London and I work in marketing for a bank. So corporate evil. <laughs> um, are you still working then during the current coronavirus yeah. pandemic? Yeah, yeah, working full time, which sometimes I look outside and it's sunny and well, I'm so jealous. People that aren't, but actually... It's so good to fill your day and keep your mind busy. Mm. I don't think I had to cope if I wasn't. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the same boat. I'm still working full time, and like other days, I'm really angry about it when like, yeah. I see other people like outside, like in their bikinis, getting a tan, and I'm sat inside like I hate my life. Yeah, <laughs> and... Trying to trying to tan like out an open window. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I, sometimes I try and work outside, but I just find that heat. I cannot con- cannot concentrate for the life of me, so it's just no point in even trying. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, so this is obviously the Dead Prank Club podcast. How are you kind of affiliated to the club? Feel free to tell us your grief story. So I lost my mum. It will be three years ago in November. She had well, she she had postnatal depression after my sisters and I were born. And then she was fine mm. our entire lives. It was medicated. And on, like, you would have no idea that she ever had it. And I think when she hit menopause, it unbalanced the, the hormones that she was taking. Um, and she mm. was ill for about six weeks. And it was, it was quite intense. And then, unfortunately, she took her own life um, in November. So, yeah, mm. that's, that's where we're at. I kind of feel like when I'm telling people what's happened, I should start with trigger warning because it's quite intense. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't worry about that at all because we've had, you know, anything and everything on this podcast um yeah we've had you know we've had other people who who have lost their parents to suicide as well my my uncle um my my cousin came onto the podcast and um his his dad had lost his life to suicide as well so I completely understand how it can be difficult talking about it just because it's it, it does feel so it does feel so raw and like hard hitting doesn't it and it's quite intense as well, you know, if, it, when people have said to me, because I find a lot of the time people will say, oh, God, how, how did she die? And then I'll say, oh, God, OK, I'm really sorry she died from suicide. And I think, why am I saying sorry? Because you shouldn't apologise for it. Like, mm. it's an illness the same way that everything else is. But it's, it's yeah. weird. It's taken, I, reckon, I think it's probably taken us a couple of years to not feel comfortable talking about it, but feel comfortable not, feel comfortable shocking other people. Because people are yeah. Know, yeah. shocked when you tell them what happened. Yeah, that's so true. Actually, like to feel comfortable shocking other people. Yeah, that's such a good way of putting it. Because yeah, that is like even even the you know when I say like my mum died of cancer, people are like, oh my god, like yeah, saying that somebody took their own life. Like, I think it must be really hard. And I I imagine as well like people haven't do people have an instinct to kind of want to ask why do you think or yeah, do you well, feel I think, like you... I think they form this immediate opinion that my mum was super depressed and you know, we've had a really horrible life, but we haven't because she was mm. literally the happiest person in the world. And I think that's one thing we noticed after she died when we told people what had happened. First of all, a lot of people assumed that she had died of cancer because I think that's just, sadly, that's yeah, the classic. so common. I mean, you know, it from your mom. Yeah. Um, so when, when we told them, you know, no, she, you know, she had depression and she took her own life, they were, going, they were like, oh my, oh my God. And then people started saying, I'm so sorry, I had no idea. And it's like, well, why would you? Because we only had six yeah. weeks of an idea of this happening as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like six to eight weeks is like such a short period of time to, you know, to deteriorate so quickly. And it's bizarre because it was a really physical, it sounds silly because it's a mental illness, but you could yeah. see it in front of you, you know, she 
she'd gone from being super happy and laughing all the time to not being able to hold herself upright. You just, I just remember thinking, like, what the hell's going on? Was she, like, aware? I, know, I think but, like, so, yeah. Yeah, because, like, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're kind of, like, depressed, I feel like sometimes some people originally aren't, they don't kind of acknowledge how bad they're really feeling or they think you know it'll be fine was she kind of like did she did she speak about how she was feeling she I think she knew that that she she definitely knew she was depressed because hers is a, is a chemical imbalance so mm. rather than it being circumstantial or something hers is literally her hormone level in her brain was completely unbalanced so it sort of gave her no energy and she couldn't as I said, she couldn't hold herself upright. So she definitely would say, like, I know I'm not well, I know I'm not well. And I think yeah. the problem was that the doc- her doctor had said to her, if you take these pills, give it a month or six weeks or whatever, and then you'll be feeling better. And I think at the end of that six weeks, and I, I'm not, it's not his fault at all, it just is what it is. I think mm. the end of that six weeks is when she was like, I'm not feeling better. But it's one of those things, like, she didn't, it wasn't the movie version of a suicide. She didn't leave a note or anything. And at the time, I remember being, like, really cross and just thinking, why didn't you explain to us? why you're doing this but actually it's such it must be such an awful mindset to be in yeah you can only begin to imagine Mm. that's the thing I think you know when people do take their own lives like they really aren't themselves at all they've they've got to a place where they feel that's probably why they're doing it because they feel so alienated from the person that they were exactly and Um, that's what my grandma her my mum's mum said to me because we all we all went to her house after it happened my sister mm. and I came back from well, my middle sister and I live in London, and my younger sister was at Union in Oxford Brooks. Um, and we all congregated at my grandparents. And the first thing they said to me was, This was not mummy. Like, she didn't do this. This wasn't her. And I'm yeah. thinking, I know, because she would never, <laughs> she wouldn't leave us. So, yeah. Illness. I mean, God, I, I can only imagine. So, how many of, of you are there, like, with your siblings and stuff? So, I've got two sisters who are both younger than me. Wow. So, <laughs> I feel like you must have kind of trying well do you feel like you have to be kind of try and be mother hen definitely a hundred percent I think I, I I'm quite a control freak anyway like they've always said to me oh my god you're so bossy stop telling us what to do all the time <laughs> <laughs> so I think I just automatically was like okay I'm taking control and my way of dealing yeah. what happened was making sure my sisters were getting home okay making sure I knew where my dad was um and controlling as much as I could and I did that for about a year I just couldn't, I couldn't let anyone do anything without them getting the okay from me. And I think the first yeah. few weeks it was probably fine for them because we were all on this weird autopilot of just getting through the funeral. And there's a lot, when with suicide and the way that it happened, there's a lot of stuff you have to deal with with the police. Um, because unfortunately mm. she, she used my dad's firearm. So there was a lot of, oh, wow, okay. there's a lot of stuff we had to deal with the police. And I was like, okay, I'm going to sort all of this out. And was trying. I tried to go and identify her formally, and my grandparents were like, "No, we're not. You can't do that. That's going to be all up to us." Oh my god! Yeah, no. <laughs> I think I was just in such a weird mindset. Of, no, I've got to do it all, and I, you know, I tried yeah. to go back to work the Monday after it happened. It was really weird. <laughs> I kind of, kind of like completely understand that, and I've talked to a lot of people who have been like. I had to like just like have super control of like everything that I was doing in my life and like, I organized the funeral and I just organized everything and like that's a lot of people's way of coping but then like uh, but then there's like the crash after so like did you experience that when you were just like exhausted from it all? Yeah I think so I mean I, I don't think I think I cried about five times in the first three months because I was on this control freak mode and then about a year in I think I just was so tired 
that the summer after she died, I couldn't stop crying all the time. And I'm not a cry. It takes a lot to make me cry anyway. I just kept bursting into tears. And I was thinking, okay, there's something is, this is not okay. So then I went to, um, I found a, a grief counsellor near where I live in London. And I'd already said to work, look, I can't, I'm, I haven't got the energy to do five days a week. So I ended up yeah. working from home one day a week. And on that day, I'd go and see my grief counsellor every week. And she was amazing because she was, I don't it's weird. Like when you see a grief counsellor, the first time I went, I just sat there in silence. I was like, I, just, I know I've put myself in this position, but I don't want to talk to you about it. And I remember sitting mm. with my arms folded across to her and her saying, this is a waste of both of our times if you're not going to talk to me. Because I could be seeing other clients, you could be doing something else. Either you open up or we stop this now. And I was like, oh, oh. okay. Brutal. <laughs> but I think that's what I needed to hear because I'm, I'm not very good at dealing with my emotions anyway. And I think I just needed someone to be like, just talk about it. Otherwise, it's not going to you're not going to get any better yeah it was great and that was I think I did that for about 12 weeks and that was what I needed to make me talk about it and make me process it a little bit more because I just my brain couldn't understand that she was dead I mean I, I had before the funeral mm. I had to go and I went to see her in the morgue because I was like she's not dead she's gone shopping or she's on holiday or something she's yeah coming back. and I physically yeah. had to see her to make myself realize that we were actually going to her funeral yeah I mean especially with think because it happened so so suddenly mm. and you know over such a short period of time like I mean I'm, I'm not gonna lie you might have heard it on the, on the podcast with Nick I feel like like a lot of us even now still kind of have this thing in our brains where we try and lie to ourselves a little bit because and say that they've gone on like a really long holiday yeah like not like exactly but just because the the truth of it is actually way too painful it's to too much to bear process yeah so it's like our it's like our coping mechanism to just be like just don't sit and acknowledge the fact that they're not here anymore because yeah. that's too much so just 100%. just like just think that it's just temporary <laughs> and it's so much easier yeah but then do you worry because I worry about when this I used to call it like a tsunami of grief like I worry mm. about when it's going to hit me that she's not actually here because I still don't think it has like, I still think, I think part of me doesn't realise it. I think that it hits you at numerous points throughout your life continuously. Like, mm. you know, like big life events. Like, I imagine it'll hit me when I get engaged, when yeah. I get married, when I have a kid, when I have a all the family around for a barbecue on a nice day and she's not there. Yeah. That's when that's when it, I, I really acknowledge it. Like, and it, it, it like, it does properly just like... <gasps> Like, it hurts. It's like yeah. a physical pain. And it kind of takes your breath away, doesn't it? Yeah, massively. And I, I do just think that I don't, I honestly don't think that, that ever actually ends. Because mm. um, I, can, I can have months, like, like, you know, without crying and without getting too upset about it. And then I'll lie in bed at night and the thought will go into my head that, like, your mum is not here and she and you will never see her again. Yes, that's and exactly then, and what then happened I'll, to me. Yeah, then you're just like bawling, like oh. Well, I I have it so bad that I have to go to sleep with headphones and listening to something because otherwise my brain mm, starts to be like, oh, about I'm it. Here again," and it makes my boyfriend really cross because he's like, "You need to try to get away from this because it's silly." Like, a, you're gonna strangle yourself when you're sleeping with your headphones, and b, you're a grown up. You can't go to sleep listening to something. But I was like, you, you you have to understand that getting to bed and lying there in the dark in silence. Yeah. It's yeah. horrible. Like, my brain just goes to these horrible places. It's horrendous. Mm. I think it, it's been even worse in a, in lockdown, I think. Yeah. Um, just the, the kind of getting into bed at night. I'm finding it really hard to sleep because I think my brain is just 
focusing on like really either like painful things or just like annoying things that were let go of yeah, <laughs> every night true. and I'm like for god's sake my boyfriend is like why can't you just go to sleep and I'm like I can't help it yeah. Yeah. it's annoying. not my fault <laughs> I would if I could hun <laughs> um so how has it been then with your dad because obviously uh, like we feel so we get really protective over you know the loved ones that we have left and mm. it must be really it must be really difficult for him you know having you like the three of you to kind of feel like he has to look after and stuff yeah it has it's been weird because I think as I said I took over the I kind of made myself my sister's mum I kind of made myself my dad's mum as well so preach it like I've got three children now because I think I was so worried about him and he's such this stiff upper lip you know don't talk about your emotions kind of thing that when it happened he just like crumbled basically and I just remember thinking that I can't, I can't move back to London if this is going to happen. Mm. And he would ring me and in tears in the evening, and I'd think, oh god, I was so close to moving back home. Um, just like I just remember saying to my flatmate, I can't sit in London with him like this at home; it's too much. But then, luckily, he met this woman who's really lovely actually, and they've been together for I think probably a year and a half. Oh and, wow! You know, it was quite soon after Mummy died. And a lot of people, I think, have found that difficult to cope with. Mm. But I just keep saying, if, if he didn't have her, I would be living at home with my dad yeah. and we'd be in some weird pseudo-relationship with each other because we've become yeah. so <laughs> dependent. And I don't want that, you know. So it's been difficult. And we've had to establish, I think we've probably had to establish a new relationship with each other, the four of us. Yes, yeah. That's just part Definitely. and part of the whole thing, isn't it, I think? Yeah, and I think, you know, for a lot of people recovery happens when they have somebody else around them like Mm. it's being alone that is like the most painful thing isn't it and Mm. you know we're lucky as we're young that we have kind of friendship groups and things that keep us busy whereas our parents don't really have that much at all yeah and I remember saying to the girls you know we take for granted the fact that we have spent so many years of our lives having nights in alone because after Mm. we've gone out or we haven't wanted to go out, so we just thought, let's have a night on the TV. But our parents won't have done that. Like, my parents were married for 30 years, almost 30 yeah. years when mommy died. And they pretty much never spent a night apart. So for him to have elongated periods of time that he's just at home with the dogs, as much as yeah. you know, our little children, it's not the same as having another <laughs> person there. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, like, I think that's, like, the biggest change for, like, you know, our parents when they lose their partner. Mm. It's that, that loneliness. And, like, I've been... I, I had the same thing like when my mum died I, I went back to uni or I stayed at uni um so my dad was at home on his own and you know it, it's awful you feel so guilty for not being there yeah. um, and then people are saying to you oh but you've got to get on with your life and you think mm, my life is over at this point yeah <laughs> then you get that back I also get people saying to me like you've got to look after your dad you know you should you should cook him dinner and I'm like should I no. Yeah, and you no, think, I I'm basically a child. I'm really just about being a child. You can't say that to me. Yeah, absolutely not. It's it, those relationships are so difficult to navigate afterwards. And you're right, like you literally do have to build them up again. Mm. Like to f- kind of figure out where you stand with each other again and like what kind of relationship that you have is so strange. Mm. Definitely. Um so obviously after the loss of your mum, other than your family, did did you have other people that you could talk to and, and rely on during that time? Yeah, I have to say, actually, all of our friends were amazing. 
Um, oh, they're so good. Yeah, they were fantastic because we were at home, I think, for about six weeks. And during that time, we kept all of us kept getting parcels of clothes and so much food that we didn't know what to do with. Oh. And a lot of cigarettes and booze, which is not helpful. <laughs> and all of us, by the end of it, had to say, okay, we're giving up smoking or else we're going to die. Um, but they were fantastic. I mean, my parents' friends especially, they just completely took over. They, they All of our washing was done and the cleaning was done. Everything was being cooked around us and we didn't even notice. But my friends were wow. amazing because they just, they kind of had a rotor going, I think, of someone who would come down from London because we, our, my parents live in Suffolk. So we're about an hour outside yeah. London. And they had a rotor of people who would come down and just for an evening, just have supper or sit in the garden and talk to me or go for a walk or something. But they always made sure that someone was checking in on us and there was constant, like, they would always text me pretty much every day and just say, I hope you're okay today rather than I hope you're okay. Because I just said yeah. to them, like, I'm not okay. You saying I hope you're okay is irrelevant. I'm not. So they just yeah. kept saying, if I'm, I'm surviving. Yeah. I mean, I've got yeah. out of bed and I've brushed my hair today. This is a, this is a plus. Um, but yeah, they were incredible. I mean, I can't. We we did a fundraiser for a charity that I became a trustee of after yes. Molly died, and we did a fundraiser for it. And I wanted to do a whole speech at it about the charity etc and ended up just saying it was about a 20 minute long speech of just saying thank you to everyone because I just thought I'm never going to get a chance to say this again about mm. my wedding and obviously my wedding is going to be all about me yeah <laughs> <laughs> I basically just stood there and, and listed out the people that had just gone like they literally just dropped their lives for us and I'll never be able to say thank you enough to them they're amazing oh, that is literally so nice to hear because like too many times you hear stories of when people just haven't checked in on them and like you know people just forget yeah. after the funeral or whatever so that that is literally like the nicest thing it was lovely actually I wouldn't I don't think we would have got through it without them all yeah oh how blessed mm. that's lovely um we'll go on in um shortly to talk more about um the charity and stuff obviously that you're involved in because that's huge and amazing um but just before that is there anything that like well, obviously, you kind of you spoke about like the most helpful and valuable things that people did for you. I'm guessing you know it was the the kind of the sending you the parcels and checking up on you and things. Um, would you say that it's kind of changed your relationship with your friends and or like any new relationships that you've had since? Like, do you think that it's kind of changed you as a, as a person in those relationships? Yeah, I think so. I think I my patience has definitely <laughs> yeah. I just can't yeah. if someone's annoying me, I just can't be bothered to talk to them. And mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes like, it's my face, it, my facial expressions aren't very. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. my boyfriend would be there, like, stop, you're, stop death staring them. I'm like, no, he's so fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Become much more antisocial. Like the thought of going to big parties or gatherings. Yes. That just fills me with dread and I just don't want to do it. And I yeah. don't know whether that's, I think I've just got quite bad anxiety since she died. Mm. That I don't want to do it. So I wouldn't say that I've lost relationships with friends, but I've definitely pulled back from people. Yeah. Who are, yeah. Who I just don't, I can't. It makes me feel too anxious to be in big groups of all of them. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yes. And it's exhausting as well. Because so um, I, I, I've i got like a kind of a big-ish group of like girlfriends. There's like nine of us. Um, but if we all hang out together, I find myself getting tired really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely got closer to the friends that I can just hang out with and have a cup of tea with and sit in the house with because you kind of have the different friends where you have the friends that you would go out with and go partying and get hammered with yeah. and the friends that you would sit in and have a cup of tea and eat food with yeah um and I've definitely found myself drawing closer to the friends that I can just sit in and chill with rather than the partying ones because like like it is partly the kind of anxiety of being out and about with large groups of people but it's also like the intimacy of being close to people in like a in a small space I just mm. I find that so much more like just just better for me and more nourishing yeah for me like rather than just like this this it's so meaningless going out and partying yeah. whereas you know getting to know somebody on a more personal level that, that just kind of helps so much more yeah I completely agree I kind of I would rather be around people that I feel comfortable a who know what's happened and b who I feel comfortable talking about it yeah I, I like I make really inappropriate dead mom jokes all the time yeah yeah, my favorite yeah have you, got, have, you, have you got any good stories of like when people have been like oh my god you can't say that yeah like all the time I mean every mother's day it's yes. like how Emma was saying she'll or, I don't know if you or Emma but you one of you said you're on a whatsapp group and someone said what are you doing on mother's day and I'm like crying because my mom's yeah that was me my mom's great <laughs> yeah crying what about you yeah and then sometimes I'm like oh I really want a cup of coffee and I'm like sorry my, my boyfriend can you get me some coffee and he's like why well, I'm like because my mom died yeah, I can't. I'm like, well, my mum died, so. <laughs> if I have to live without my mum, I can at least make jokes about the fact that she's not here and That's get what exactly I want. How I feel, and I kind of don't want to be around people who I can't make those jokes with, and they'll look at me all yeah. over because I just think, actually, f you. Like, you still have your parents. You've got no idea how difficult it is. Yeah, and like, don't judge me if that's my coping mechanism yeah. because everybody is different. Exactly, and I found that after the, when she died, actually, there were a few people who I thought would text me or get in contact and say something who, you know, who'd either been on holiday with my family or knew my parents really well, and they didn't. And I remember someone saying, mm-hmm. to me, oh, yeah, you know, you've got to remember how difficult it is for them. They don't know what to say. And I just lost it. I was like, fuck them. How difficult it is for them? Yeah, Shut up. write a text, you asshole. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, as well, is that I think a lot of people are too scared to acknowledge that that's happened to you because it makes it more real for them than yeah, it could happen to them. Definitely. I think that's why I wanted to do all this stuff for the charity because I thought, I'm not going to be ashamed of what's happened to her. Like, it is yeah. awful. But it happens, actually, since she died, I've had a lot of people get in contact with me and say, my best friend was the same age as your mum and did what she did or my aunt or someone. It happens so much more regularly than you realise. And because no one talks about it, well, no, we're all getting better. But because it's not easy to speak about, people don't talk about it. And then it almost becomes like this shameful thing. And I thought, my mum was the most amazing person in the world. And I'm not going to have anyone 
be ashamed to talk about her and, and how and her illness and what she battled because she was amazing and I'm gonna talk about it as much as I possibly can everywhere. I love that. That's so important. Mm. Um just yeah, well talk about, you know, your your work for it's pan it's panda, right? Yeah, so it's called pandas, which everyone then thinks is associated with panda bears, but it's not it's not. <laughs> it's a um, perinatal mental health charity who are amazing and they're they're a bit like the Samaritans, so they're a helpline. Um, a phone helpline and a Facebook group and then they set up loads of groups all around the countryside and it's all run by volunteers who are just phenomenal women most of whom have had postnatal depression and it's somewhere that you can go or a line that you can call if you're really struggling with postnatal depression and you don't know what to do and you just need help or someone to talk to and say that it is all going to be okay and you'll come out the other side but what I think is great is that they also offer services for the fathers who are struggling either with CND or who don't know how to help their wives and the families of those women who need advice and support. Because I think that's one thing, like I'm seven years older than my younger sister. So I I remember when my mum was ill after having her. And then when I was 15, she changed her medication. So she had another bout of depression then. But my dad and I kind of shielded it from from my younger sister. So they don't remember it. And they didn't see mummy when she was ill this time. So they don't know what it was like. But because I've gone through it, I suppose two and a half, three times. I'm very aware of what it looks like, and I just thought, I, I want, I need to do something to help. Oh, I need to. Is my control freakness needed to do something? I think basically, and I was going to mm. donate all the money for, at the funeral to Mind, and I thought actually, so many people are doing really amazing stuff for Mind, like yeah. find something which is at the root cause of our problem. And my, it's actually my grandma and my mum's twin sister that found pandas, and I spoke to them. And I said, would you mind me? starting to like raise some money for you and they were because it's all a non-profit organization and they completely rely on donations and at that point yeah I don't think I think they were getting like 500 quid a month and then we did the funeral oh so all the money God. from the funeral went to pandas and then I was like well can I become a trustee or do some more or something with it so since then my youngest sister has walked the great wall of China with her best friend and raised money for wow because she was only 19 when, when we lost our mom you know she, that's really young yeah yeah and massively immediately she was like okay I'm gonna do something I'm gonna walk the Great Wall of China I was like Polly do you know how how long the thing is <laughs> yeah it's like 300 miles I was like that's no, not oh god it's not 300 miles I was like you're walking the whole thing she's like yeah obviously I was like, how long is that gonna take you she was like I don't know like five days I was thinking oh my god this is gonna be an absolute disaster <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take her? Group and they organized everything for her because I was thinking you don't even know where China is that alone how to walk the Great Wall of China <laughs> How how long is the Great Wall of China? I mean, if 20... I'm, I've got no idea, but I know it's longer than 300 miles. But yeah, I've just I think I've just googled it. I think it's 21.2 million miles. I mean, and she thought she's going to walk all that in five days. <laughs> so how far did she walk then? I can't remember, but I think she was. They ended up walking for I think eight or nine hours a day, and it's bloody hard because a lot of it's really steep and the stones yeah. have worn down so much. It's really. I mean, she's sending us the most hilarious videos of them. Basically, just bum sliding down parts of it because they couldn't grip onto it. Wow! Which is amazing, and she raised I think eight or nine grand then. Wow! I know, which is it's just so cool. And we've done like various little things. Like we did the ball, which raised an extortion amount of money. And I started off being like, I'm going to have a hundred people because it's manageable. And we ended up with over three hundred and fifty because people kept being like, Can we come? <laughs> and I was like, This is amazing. And then on the night, I was like, Shit! I have to speak in front of three hundred and fifty people. It's terrifying. You you, ra- you raised forty five thousand pounds, didn't you? Yeah, we did. I mean, it was it was unbelievable, and all of our friends and everyone wow. that my sister and I work with, 
like clients they all came it was it was so incredible I mean I actually think it's better than my wedding will ever be which my boyfriend hates um and then we would last June we my friends organized to walk the four peaks um in 48 hours for my mum which was amazing but the, the hardest peaks. thing isn't it usually the three peaks yeah, usually, yeah, yeah. Just oh add my god! Because why not? <laughs> oh my god! And did you manage it? Yeah, we did. It was really hard. Wow! Wow! I've, I bet that was like, oh my god! I mean, it's it was awesome. incredible, and I think we, we did Ben Nevis on the most amazing. It was like today, and normally you can only see the top of Ben Nevis like eleven days of the year, and we had oh. the most beautiful weather, bright sunshine. We all got sunburn. It was great. Mm. Oh, wow. I mean, I think it's so special to be able to kind of like have a purpose that makes you feel like you're doing some good yeah. around around, around your life. our family as well. Like my, my mum's had a family who got so into it. My little cousin, this is the sweetest thing. They live in London and she's been making face masks and hats and things and selling them to her friends and her family and then giving the money to pandas. And I just said, oh, do you like 12 years old? That is so adorable. And her younger brother yeah. did a presentation at school on the charity. Like it's just, it's really sweet actually. I mean that that is amazing. And like little things like that, they're kind of like little, they're like little ripples where mm. like more and more people become more aware of the charity. You know, like if every person in your family does one thing, imagine how many people that's reaching and how many people that could help. Exactly. So it's been amazing. And then you know, we I think we got a shout out from the Sussexes when they were doing their mental health foundations, which again was great for our charity oh wow it's been and I love doing it like selfishly it makes I think it is a slight selfish thing because it does make me feel better but then also Mm. we've helped so many women that it's so important and it's raising awareness of postnatal depression especially to people our age who are gonna start having babies soon like I want them to be aware so they know what to look out for yeah I mean it's postnatal depression is something that actually really scares me Mm. um just because like my my mum my was like had like chronic depression for most of her life and I'm susceptible to it because I was I got very depressed after my mum died and I feel like oh my god what's going to be like when I have a baby and my mum's dead mm. <laughs> like holy shit like you know what this would be a great opportunity for you to actually just kind of educate our listeners just a little bit about what to look out for just because I think the more people that know about it the better I think it's, it's, first of all, it's exhaustion. You know, as a new parent, you're just so tired. You've got a baby screaming that needs to be fed and you're not sleeping. But it's also, it's when people say the baby blues, you feel very weepy and you've got absolutely no energy past the point of being exhausted where you just can't get out of bed. And that, that I think, is, is depression. Anything above that when you're worrying about, you feel like you want to hurt yourself or you, you feel like you can't touch your baby because you're terrified you're going to do something to it, that's when I think you need to... Just you, I think you just need to be really aware of how you're feeling and feel brave enough to talk about it. Because a lot of women don't speak about when they, they're feeling like that because they feel like they're failing as a parent. And it's not a failure. It's, it's so totally normal to feel like that when you've had a newborn. That you mm. just, just talk to your husband or your partner or your midwife or your GP or anything and say, I'm, I'm feeling like this and I just want some advice. Because you just want someone to listen to you and tell you that you are going to be okay and that it's normal to feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. God, it, it, it's it's crazy to think of the impact that that can have as well. Like you know, with your mum, how mm. you know it, it then it then triggered something when she was so much older, and when all of you were were so much older. I yeah. think 
And I've been looking into it, and that there sadly is a correlation between postnatal psychosis, which is when you you know you you are having hallucinations or you try and harm yourself after you've had a baby, and menopausal depression, which I didn't know at all. But that's when people started coming to me and saying, "Well, my friend did the same." There's wow. that correlation that I think you don't realize that, especially as a woman going through menopause, you don't know what to expect. So yeah. one thing I want to try and sort out, which I was about to do before lockdown hit, was speak to our family GP at home who had treated my mum for almost 30 years and just say, look, can we put together a leaflet or something? Because it's unrealistic to think that you can get every woman into the surgery and talk to them about menopause. Yeah. But put together a leaflet, which you can send out to women under your care of a certain age and say, you know, over the next 10 years, you may experience X, Y, and Z symptoms. And if you start to feel like this, talk to us. Just make yeah. them aware of what could happen. Because I just think, yeah, that's so important. I, happen, people would it? never, people would never know about that. Yeah, like ever. Yeah, uh, I, I, found, I find that so scary. I yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. It's scary, and you you already go through some weird change where you're getting really hot flushes, and that's just the top of it. Like you just need to know what could happen in case mm. you don't about that, and you you don't think that your body is failing you, or you think you're weird or whatever. Like it's just a normal, unfortunate symptom of it. Yeah, and I think you know. The, the thing about the thing about losses is that you know your loss is so awful and and so tragic but hopefully it you know by you speaking about your experience you can protect other mm. like young girls just like you from losing from losing their mum as well exactly. which i think is like it's like the it's such a special thing to be able to take away from such an awful circumstance yeah and then i feel like because my mum was always helping people she was going to look after people's children or go to visit friends, parents and in hospices and things like that, she would want to carry on helping people. And I feel like this is her way of doing it Mm. by using what's happened. And also I just want, I want something good to come out of it. You know, I don't want us to be that family who lost their mum in a horrible way and then kind of disintegrate. And I, that's why I think (laughs) with the girls and my dad, I was like, we're not going to let this, we're not going to be one of those cliche statistics where we lose a parent and then all of us become, complete degenerates like we have to carry on because mommy would be furious if we Mm. like she'd be absolutely livid if we just let our lives collapse because of what's happened you have to carry on do you think that it's made it easier for all of you to speak about your mum with each other by having like a shared purpose yeah I think so I think it's definitely brought us closer together my middle sister and I've always had quite a fractured relationship we've always argued a lot and actually it hasn't been easy over the last three years, but we're we're closer than we've ever been, which is so nice. And oh. we talk all day, every day. Like we're constantly texting to the point where I'm like, okay, we actually need to do some work now. Let's put the phone down. Um, but it's oh, definitely that's brought, so nice. Yeah, it's brought us and it's brought us closer to mummy's family as well. Like we didn't because her siblings live all over the country. We didn't really see them other than her twin sister and my grandparents very much at all. And now we talk to them all the time. We're doing numerous family zooms where. There's a million people Aww. on the screen. There's so many of us as well. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Our weekly family Zooms are so funny. There's like 30 people on a Zoom call. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, it's carnage. Yeah. <laughs> I had to teach my grandpa how to download Zoom onto his laptop. <laughs> like, you're so right. Like, you know, as we were saying just before we started recording, like, you become so much closer to your parents family just mm. because they're your like closest connection to you them and you find that you know at the end of the day your parent is, is like a part of them yeah. and you are a part of your parents and like you've got this connection and like I've just find you know that support from that end of the family is like 
literally incomparable. Yeah, it's, it's just invaluable, isn't it? Like, mm. I completely underestimated how much people, other people will do for people when you're in your time of need. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And as well, it's, it's made you even more well-equipped now. If any of your friends, you know, her, God forbid, like, you know, anybody that you know even, like, becomes, you know, a member mm. of the club prematurely, you're kind of, like, in a position as well where you can support other people, 100%. which is... Yeah, and actually, you know, one of my friends last time, I really sadly lost her mum instantly. Um, like, didn't oh. even, like, no run-up at all. And I remember, I just texted her, I was like, I hadn't, I hadn't seen her for a couple of years, and I said, I'm so sorry, you know, if you need anything, I've been through it, just tell me. And we hadn't seen each other for a couple of years, we hadn't really spoken for a couple of years, other than the occasional text. And we were there, she then was texting me all hours of the day, and I just said to her exactly how I was feeling at the time. Because she was yeah. saying, I'm worried, I'm feeling, I feel weird, this isn't normal. I was like, I promise you, everything you're feeling is normal. And then I sent yeah. her a care package of things that I needed. Oh. It's just little things like rescue remedy and eye drops because you're crying all the time and pain pills, yeah. you know, things like that that yeah. you underestimate. And I remember after my mum died, we went into our local village. So we live in the middle of the countryside to buy like shampoo and conditioner and things that you want to get so you don't have to leave the house again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was with my dad yeah. and my dad's best friend who had basically moved in with us, who was just like the most amazing man. And we were buying some paracetamol and the woman behind the counter was like, I'm really sorry, I can't sell you more than two packs. So Johnny was like, well, it's fine, I'll go behind you and I'll buy the next pack. And um, this is when I was in my weird, like incredibly angry phase. And <laughs> the guy behind was, was like, you're just going to barge in? And I was like, hang on, he was with us. Like, he's just buying one pack of paracetamol, I think it's okay. He was like, just fucking rude, you could ask. And I was standing there, like, oh. onto the side of the counter, being like, I'm just going to kill you. And my dad was like, <laughs> My mum just died. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My dad was like, Faye, I was like, stop encouraging me. So we paid, and then we were walking out of the supermarket, and I turned around, and I was like, the thing is, Johnny, that man's just a screamed horrible words at <laughs> him across the supermarket, and then stormed out. And I sat in the car, and I was like, what did I, why did I do that? Why did I do that? So I thought I was going to send her some paracetamol so she doesn't end up screaming at someone in the supermarket. Yeah, good idea. Put a little note on it as well, like just just to make sure. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I had to go back in and apologise for the moment the car was like, I mean, it's totally understandable. It's kind of like you wished you could wear a sign on your head or something yeah. during during those couple of months, just so that you can behave any way that you want, however, yeah. however irrationally that it is, and people like won't judge you because it just says on your forehead or whatever, like my mum just died. So give me yeah. a break. <laughs> so true. It would have been great. <laughs> um. So after obviously everything that you've done with like pandas and you know just kind of you've obviously come a long way from not really being able to speak about it and being like told off by your counsellor to come onto the podcast to talk which is a huge step um like do you think that it's changed the way that you go about your life and your attitude towards it definitely I think I am a lot more understanding and probably calmer than I used to be um and I think I just more now I'm much more empathetic towards other people and I want to look after people a lot more than I used to and help them, which I think is why I'm doing all this charity stuff. But mm. I just, I think, I think, I think Emma said this when you were doing recording with her. I think my my friends sometimes grieve the old me because I'm not, I'm not I'm yeah. a completely different person than I used to be. Now. Like I don't want to go out. I'd rather just sit in with my best friend and all my boyfriend and yeah. watch TV or sit in silence. I just don't want to, I don't want to go out 
partying all the time anymore, which is kind of boring, but... Nah, own it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, yeah, definitely 100% has changed, changed me completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the last question is, what would you say to to other people who have experienced a, a very similar loss to you and are perhaps you know struggling right now? I would just say look after yourself and just be really gentle on yourself. And if you don't want to do something, it's okay to say no. Like don't let anyone make you feel like you have to do something to make them happy. You know, you've gone through something which is will turn your life upside down for God knows how many years. And it's okay to mm. just do whatever you want to do. And also, as much as I used to hate being told this at the time, just be, try and be healthy as well. Like, exercise as much as you can because it's so good for your mental state. And I didn't, I completely mm. took that for granted. You know, I didn't work out for about nine months after my mum died because I just thought, I can't be asked. I actually, when <laughs> you start doing it again, it's amazing how much better you feel. Like, you sleep better. And my anxiety was so much better, you know, after I yeah. started working out again. So I just yeah. didn't look after yourself, basically. Yeah, so true. It's all about going back to basics, isn't it? And just like, what do you need as a human being to kind of survive? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, you know, eat well, exercise and just sleep. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and talk to people if you can be bothered, yeah. if you can. <laughs> but if you don't want to, it's totally fine to not apply to it. Yeah. That's the Absolutely. I'm quite enjoying lockdown, so I don't have to be in life. Yes, I'm, see, that's the thing. I'm quite enjoying lockdown, to be honest, because like, I've just got no social pressures. Yeah. Um, I don't have to talk to people all the time. I'm like I'm, I'm busy enough as it is, so adding like social stuff is just like stressful anyway. So yeah. <laughs> it's quite nice. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I remember after the first <laughs> year of being super antisocial, and then one of my best friends said to me, "Okay, enough is enough now. You need to leave the house. You need to see people." And I was like, "Oh God, just let me breathe. Really, antisocial <laughs> bubble. Let me be an introvert now. That's who I am. Yeah, this is me now." <laughs> um. So before we end this fab conversation is there anything that you wanted to say or anything that we haven't touched on that you really wanted to speak about I think you just have to adjust to this new normal like it comes to a point where you'll realize you're not going to get your parent back and yes that is like the shittest thing ever mm. but life goes on I remember thinking when I first went back into London like, to get some more clothes when I was still at home I was standing on the platform of the tube thinking why is no one asking me if I'm okay and that was a real like mm. point for me where I was like shit my life may have stopped but everyone else's is going on so I was like okay well I'll just yeah. I'm going to pause for a little bit more and then I'm going to go back to normal and actually once you dip your toe in of normality again and going back to work it's not as bad as you think it's going to be and if you are having a bad day I mean I used to w- just walk out the office and just say I can't I just can't do this anymore and it's fine like you, you're totally within your right to do that you just have to take it very very gently one step at a time I think yeah I think you're so right saying that, um, that kind of like life does go on. And I think that is actually one of the hardest hurdles to overcome after you've lost yeah. someone because you don't, you don't want it to like, mm. you're just like, why, why is everything like, cause everything literally just ticks on as normal. Yeah. Like you have no choice, but to like get into this little like carriage again and just keep going, keep doing life yeah. and because like the, your to-do list doesn't just get ripped up because yeah. your parents died like you, find you still it have so much like, I find it harder every year that passes because I think well that's another year further away from not being able to talk to her or not being able to see her yeah I think like the pain's so different yeah kind of as it as it goes on um 
I mean, like I, I probably think about my mum like 30 times a day. Um, but it, it, I like, I kind of get, I get more scared now about thinking of having my own, having my own kids. Mm. And that's kind of, that's kind of my biggest fear just because I see everybody around me with the support from their parent and stuff. And I think it's such a huge moment for a mum to help their daughter with their first child, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so that's probably one of the things that I th- I think about the most. Um, yeah, I'm exactly the same as you. I think about that a lot. Yeah, and I think I think it's going to be really hard. Mm. Yeah, and that th- there's no there's no denying that. Like you know, and th- no matter how many people say, oh, "I'll help you, it'll be fine." Like you're not going to want to help. Like your mum would help you selflessly, like yeah. because that's what they want to do. Whereas other people like you're asking them for favors aren't you yeah. so and they've all got their you own know. children if, you know like my aunts will say that i will be there with you i'm like yeah but you have your own family so also yeah actually that's really lovely you're not my mom and you don't yeah you don't say things the way that she would say and you don't do things like she would do mm. i think I mean, it's just that's gonna... why i think things like this podcast is so great because i don't know about you but i haven't i found it hard to find other people our age like big groups of people or someone like I don't know it's just there's not much out there for us to talk to no things no there's not no children who have suffered bereavement or adults who have, but there's nothing like in your 20s other than things mm. like this which I just think they're so great I love it yeah I mean that's exactly why this podcast that's exactly why this podcast is here because I was just like there is nothing I have got no support what the mm. hell and I think you know that's exactly why we kind of created it because the worst thing is feeling like you're alone in your grief and that nobody gets how you're feeling yeah so I think you know if you can even just listen to somebody's story through your headphones and then and be able to like nod your head and be like oh my god yes I felt like that like yeah I'm so glad I wasn't anyone that felt like that it just makes you feel a little bit less alone doesn't it yeah yeah and and part of a club like as humans we need a we need community and like we hate feeling like alienated because when you're alienated you're not safe whereas I think knowing that you're part of a wider group of people um just makes you feel a little a little bit more safe Mm -hmm. in in what you're going through completely agree well thank you so much for your time Amy I I really appreciate it and I have really enjoyed this conversation thank you very much for having me I've loved it Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well if coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening. And we'll see you next week.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.